Good morning, y'all. This is the Walk the Walk podcast, and it's about 4 a.m. right now. Um, I woke up and thought I'd put this out. Uh, in this podcast, we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about my journey as a skills trainer. And hopefully it gives everyone a, a better insight of what what I believe in, my philosophy on, on skills training, um, where I came from, where I am now. So hopefully uh, everyone enjoys it because a lot of people don't know. I don't think anybody understands. I never really got into depth with it. But as I sit here, sip my coffee, and you'll be ramble on about it. All right. So back in high school, um, I was a one dribble pull up jumper type of uh, player. So I ripped through one dribble pull up shoot. And that was successful in the conference that I played in. I ended up being first team junior year, senior year, unanimous. Um, but I knew there was uh, more to it than that. I knew I had to do something different. But I didn't know what. I didn't know what yet. When I would play other players from the cities, um, everybody could dribble, everybody could dunk, they could shoot a little bit, but what I mean everybody could dunk, everybody could dunk, 5'8 to 6'10, whatever. So after I graduated, um, went down to Haskell, and I got my first taste of college ball. I remember uh, our first <clears throat> our first uh, workout. The trainer who was there told us everyone be on the line at five thirty a.m. And we were on the line, and I remember running till fucking eight thirty nonstop, three hours nonstop running. And that was a big reality check. Um, the older guys handled it fine. I was so out of shape, and I was so unprepared. Probably look fucking ridiculous. Do you remember who was there? The older guys, I remember Salmon Horse Chief was there. Um, I think Ben Carrywater just graduated. Um, yeah, that's all I can remember right now. But stayed there for a little bit. And then I came back home. And then I stayed around home for a little bit, meaning my my reservation, and I uh, 
me and my buddy uh Derek Nielsen, um, we started talking again and shout out to my boy Nilly. He's another fucking great hooper coming from a small town. And we linked up at MATC. And by then, within that time frame, I probably put on like 25 pounds. Like that, you know, you get freshman 15, I got freshman fucking 30. Yeah, let's just say I put on 30 pounds. So, I was 19. And, um... Like, MATC didn't know me. No, they didn't know me. They, they had some studs there. They had Chris Davis. They had some big names there. Hooping. And, uh... So the off season, the the spring, so that'd be spring of two thousand nine. I knew I had to do something different. I didn't know what what I was doing, but I knew there's another gear, another level that I had to reach because I'm six one, six two, and I can't just have a fucking pull up and dribble shot. I can't just catch and shoot. Like everybody can catch and shoot. I knew that wasn't gonna gonna do it for me, especially with me being my height. And I wasn't like overly athletic, you know, I could dunk, but it wasn't like I was fucking windmilling. So there was things that I had to do differently than everybody else. <laughs> so it was spring of two thousand nine. I think uh, my bro James Ashkishkam, he is a junior this year. So I'm intertwined my my uh, timeline and his because this is when I didn't even know it. But this is when the skills training started. This is when the, I guess, the whole thing with helping others, and I didn't even know it, was with James. So I come back from school in May, and me and James link up, and he's a he's at Sean. He's a junior. He's playing on JV. He ain't getting no shine his varsity year. So it was one of those situations where he'd be the six or seven man on varsity, and then they put him on JV, and he'd go off for thirty, just to make a point that he don't fucking belong on JV. <clears throat> so I told James, we got to do something different, man, if you want to get first team or you want to um, beat stud next year. So these next two summers, we, I don't think people, you know, they don't, a lot of our closest friends or a lot of players that James coached that came through, they don't understand how hard we both had to work to become the players that we are. So the first day I was back, me and James created a schedule. We work out in the morning at the Shawano High School when we lift. 
So it's a two-hour lift at noon. We would go do a track workout, which um, at the end of the track workout, you ran three miles. So it would be a sprint or like almost like a sprint for one lap. You get a minute break or your break is when your partner's running. So you got four of those. You have... What was it? Four one laps, eight, like 800 meters, and two sets of two laps. It was something like that. And then we end up, at the end, we end up running 10 100 yard sprints. Um, I think we just Googled this workout. And we found it, and we're like, shit, this could work. Because we both needed to get in shape. We both needed lungs, you know. So we did that. And then when we both get off work at 4.30, we'd scrape together some change. Put some gas in. uh, I think I was driving my ma's fucking truck at the time, which was a Ford stick shift forward we pile in our change and we'd go to the family center which is a 40 minute drive from us and go train there from five all the way till eight so by training we would be doing anything we could find on youtube so this time we didn't have ball handling all right we didn't have ball handling we didn't have footwork none of that was in play Back then, there was only a little handful of trainers, Gannon Baker, um, Jason, I don't maybe he was getting big then, but I don't remember him, but it was just Gannon Baker pretty much, and maybe another guy. So we found, you know, we'd use the Ray Allen shooting workouts, um, anything that YouTube was willing to show us for free, we did it. And while we were there, I had a 25-pound weight vest. And we would wear that for our, I'd switch, he'd wear it, and we'd go back and forth. And that's what we did five days a week for a whole summer. I was 2.30 in the summer. By the end of the summer, I was 200 and um, in shape. It's the best, and it's the best I ever was in shape wise. Was getting up, you know, way higher than I was, you know, jumping wise. My shot was feeling great. Overall, we're both just better. Um, James really took off. He started fucking. Like Duncan, like, like who? Everyone who don't know James, I'm six two. This dude's like six four, lengthy, you know, perfect shooting guard. And he just took off with this shit. He's going into his senior year, and this boy is Duncan. 
he's doing it all. So he goes into his he goes into his um senior year and he kills it. He kills it. He starts snapping off. And he ends up getting first team unanimous. I think um he led his team to sectional finals against Seymour in uh at the Brown County Arena, I think. And he ended up ends up getting some looks from uh from uh, Lakeland. But uh, oh, I forgot to mention. So after, okay, well, really, um, I gotta backtrack a little bit. What really opened my eyes is when uh, we went to Canada and played. And I don't know where I start dribbling out of nowhere. I start being able to cross people and get to the rim whenever I wanted. <laughs> Ended up doing pretty good there. We won Indigenous games. No, we had a stacked ass team. Me, uh, Derek Denny, Josh Unkazik, Brendan White, um, Ryan Fish, Marcus Wapoose, Roman Leonard, Kyle Jensen, and we were set. And uh, the coach, that was coaches at the time, his name was Scott Murray. Rest in peace, Scott Murray. He uh, tried to get me to go to Duluth right out of high school. He's like, I think you could play there. If you want to go, I could set you up. And I never took him on that offer, which I should have, which was dumb. Because I would have been, I think I would have been a good fit there. But um, back to James's uh, story. He goes off and uh, snaps his senior year. So it's 2010. It's the next off season. I go to MATC. <laughs> Um, I barely even played. A lot of it was due to due to me. And uh we both I kinda got a bigger chip on my shoulder. He He's getting ready for Lakeland. So I tell him, dude. I think we gotta step it up even for harder this this off season, all the way to August. So we do the same thing as the la- as last year's previous workout, but this time when we play, like you go play pickup games with our friends and shit. Like we'd always promise, like we're on the garden each other. Like I'm guarding James, James you guarding me. And we're wearing this weight vest because anybody 
Anybody else we played at that time, they like they weren't gonna give us no fucking competition. I'm just gonna be real. So I'm like, James, you face guard me all the way up the court. I'm gonna face guard you all the way up the court when you have the ball. And that's what we did. And that's no offense to our, our homies or anything, but you know, we were thinking bigger things at the time. So back on um, 2009, when I was at MTC, that's when I got when I got sick. I got I got cancer. I was sleeping like 15 hours a fucking day, and it's pretty much uh, what you can do about it. You know, you can either get up and work harder, or You can just roll over and die. So it definitely was the other option of getting up and working harder. Um, you know, you wake up with a sense of urgency. Knowing you only got so much time left. And that's what I try to get to these kids the sense of urgency you have you have to understand the window is so short for you to get your foot off the res like from your freshman year pretty soon you realize it's your senior year and you're walking the stage like the steps you have to be so disciplined on has to be you have to be aware of that because you're going through the motions, you're just gonna get the results of going through the remote of the um, motions. So that's where my my sense of urgency comes from, is from that near death experience, is being able to tap into a level that I never could before, until that happened. You know, I'm thankful it did happen because if I if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to do the things I do now with with passion and pour my heart, pour my heart into these kids. So, anyways, back to back to James. So, if you y'all ain't paying attention, he went from a JV bench player to first team. From May to August. That's four months. He changed himself. Didn't quit. Didn't have his parents. Bitch at the coaches. We just fucking strapped up the boots and went to work. So James, um, so we go, James goes in his first year in Lakeland. He has, uh, I think he has a pretty good year. I think he's either six man or he's starting some games. He has some good uh, season uh, players ahead of him. He had Josh Regal and uh, some big dude that could hoop. 
So I go back to MATC my second year. And uh, it's going good, man. It's going really good. So this is where it gets kind of it gets kind of funky. This is where I get this is where I start telling kids of not you know not don't tell your dreams and your goals to small-minded people. Which more than all the time is your parents, your close family members. Your, your cousins, aunties and uncles. So, going into um, that season, I was probably going to start and do my thing. So, my close family members were telling me basketball wasn't in my future, that the you know I'm going to a spiritual subject right now that the spirits would make it so hard for me that I would quit and this is coming from people that I needed support from and I didn't get it and it fucked me up and I listened to them. I listened to what they said. And I believed it. And I ended up quitting. When I had no reason to. And that is something I want to teach. These kids. Of. Not telling your dreams to. People who ain't going to support them, like, especially if it's your older siblings, your older relatives, whoever it may be, they already had your chance to do whatever they want to do. Just because they couldn't do it doesn't mean you can. So, if you're listening to this, Take some advice from the story I'm telling you because you're going to have times when it's just you in your corner, you in your room by yourself. You feel alone. <clears throat> but sometimes that's all you need. And you got to keep going. You know, I I try to be someone who I needed when I was younger. I try to be someone who can motivate these youth. And for someone that I believe in all, any kid that I trained so far, if you listen to this, I, I believed in you and I told you what you could do. Because I know how it feels to not have your closest people not believe in you. And try to tear your, tear your dreams down and pave a different way for you. So after I quit MATC, um, 
this is I quit in November, right before the season started. And I had one connection to have another chance to play ball. And uh, shout out to Bob Schrader. He's one guy that always looked out for me since I was in high school. And he got me a look at UW Oshkosh. So I went to visit Oshkosh, met the coach, met the players. And in the spring, um, I started practicing with them. And I was ready to go and fall to him. Like, this was it. Like, I felt at home. You know, I felt at home with school and ball. And in the springtime, that's when my first, I found out my firstborn was coming. And, of course, the people who, same people who told me, to not play basketball, come again and tell me, you don't fucking need to worry about basketball. You need to get a job. You need to stop school and you need to get a job. Like, I so wish I didn't listen to that bullshit. And I wish I was just fucking mad enough to stick it out and do what I thought was right, right or wrong. You know, you fall. At least, you know, it's on you and you can't sit here and blame people. So that spring, practice with the team till summer. And I didn't end up going. And I'm dropping out. Not dropping out. I just didn't go to school. And didn't play ball. So this was 2011. My firstborn, baby Aaron was born October 28th. And that was that was it. I stopped playing ball. I stopped training for ball, and I felt lost. I was working in the casino. And it it felt fucking hopeless. Not that working in the casino was hopeless. It felt like... I didn't get to achieve what I wanted to. And, you know, what I envy people is kids who got fucking parents who are so supportive and do anything and everything for them. And they still went around. Like, I can't stand that. I can't stand kids who have the whole support system and you still complain. 
Like, why are you complaining about what's on your plate? Especially when you prayed for your whole goal was to eat. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I felt, you know, I felt really, um, you know, here's the thing. I should have just stayed going to school and hooping because I was still fucking broke anyways when I got a job. And I knew when me and James first started training, this is what I wanted to do after college. And I knew no one will listen unless you play college ball, unless you finish it out. And I didn't. And that's one of the biggest things that hit against me. You know, it might not hit against me, you know, personally. I mean, uh, like, from everybody who I trained, but that, it like, like fucks me up because I'm more than, I know I'm more than good enough to play at a lot of places. And I just listened to other people. No, I didn't kill, I didn't kill the noise. I didn't kill the noise. So what that means by killing noise is you kill the noise from everybody around you. From your partner, from your parents, your family members who are not supporting your dreams. Like you, They don't need to, you don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry about it. If you think you can do something, give that fucking shit a try. What's the worst thing going to happen? You're going to fail? I'd rather fail at trying to do something I love than do something and be good at it as something I hate. So that was 2011. So you fast forward to 2012, 13. And I don't know why these, I keep coming. So, okay. After, so it's 2012 in the spring. I found these drills. Shout out to Michael Lancaster. I found these drills. And I'm like, what the? Where the hell are these drills been? And I believe these are these drills are better than than any any other trainer in the world. Um, everybody has rip cones now because of Michael Lancaster. Everybody has these the the footwork, the signature moves, all because of Michael Lancaster. Like no one was doing this shit until he came on the scene. I hope everybody fucking knows that. You look at a lot of Instagram trainers, they're doing all the shit that I seen in 2012, 2013. So when I found those, man, the footwork, the ball handling, the overall skill development, it just blew my mind. Like, why couldn't I have this three years ago, four years ago? Because what pisses me off are what's so goddamn annoying about 
those old school hoopers. If you're over 6'3", they're trying to make you play as a big. Especially in these small town schools. Go to the city. Everybody can dribble. Everybody can dunk. Why are you trying to limit players by making them play one position because of their height? I don't understand that at all. You know, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things I need to do something different was in a, we got done playing my freshman year at MATC and the team was just hooping. Um, coach opened gym up and this random dude came in. This random dude uh, who's going to school at the time at MATC just showed up and we were playing king of court. And he starts snapping. Like, this boy's 6'5". He's shooting in my face. He's dunking on people. And you know what he says? He's like, y'all be training this hard. He's like, he said, I just smoked some weed and I came to school and I'm going to bust y'all ass. <laughs> so I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, damn, I, I really have to do something different to compete with you know this type of talent because there's there's people out there who can do that shit man and get away with it and i wasn't one of them so that was really eye-opening to me that was the biggest one so back to 2012 when i found these drills i don't know why i kept doing them I wasn't I wasn't hooping. I had no intentions on playing college ball again. You know, the the support system wasn't a fucking support system. And I wasn't strong minded enough to to say fuck it and do my own thing. So I do these drills in private. I wake up at five, I work out till seven. It's just me. Um no more James. James is doing this thing now, he has a family. So I do these drills from February all the way to June. And my whole game changes. It literally changes. And I try to share this with people. No one's listening to me. Um, I tried to share this with James. And he didn't want to do these ball handles. I'm like, dude. Like. People think James is he's a good basketball player. He is a really good basketball player. And you can tell his fucking, you can ask him. I told him, if you can, if you did these drills, give me like a two months with you. You would fucking go overseas and kill it. Because he could get away with being a one dribble, pull up jumper, shooter. At high school and at the at the college level. Let <laughs> I me mean, do it. Just think if you add some skill and footwork to your game where you could go and he he didn't want to and it pisses me off because he's one of those guys that had the natural gifted body you know the long arms six four you know he perfect shot 
And all he needed was to be able to dribble in a fucking lane and dunk on people. And he could have too. But he still had a great career. He still, you know, went to Lakeland, did his thing, graduated. Shout out to my dude. Fucker's annoying, but that's my dude. So, summer 2012. um, I think my nephew Dylan starts hooping. Well, first, my nephew Mike went for shit. Told him you should do these drills. They didn't want to listen. They wanted me one pull-up jumpers at Shawano High School. And they were content with being fucking robots. And they both um, got their shine their senior year. So of all the people to listen to me. So I was telling Maquin and Dylan that Norman Norman was going to be better than them. Because he's going to listen to what the fuck I got to say. And you can ask Norm. <clears throat> from when he was like 10 or 11 I'm like Norm you're going to be the best one because I, I, I firmly believe that these drills could help anybody the detail the everything that comes with them the progressions it was just you know it just never heard you never heard about these all you hear about is the you know the miking drills or the Pistol Pete Maravich drills, like all this shit that, you know, those drills are just warm-up drills. That's not stuff that's going to advance your skill development. So Norman is in his eighth grade year. I think he's close to six feet. Dylan just graduates. I think his team is one game away from uh, sectional finals. And, uh, he could shoot. Dylan could shoot. He was a lefty. And that little fucker could have did see could have did these ball handling drills. He could have been a fucking I don't know, like almost like a like an Allen Iverson type player because he never stopped moving. Like he was always running around. But he didn't. And when he got in that sectional final game his ass got clamped up because he couldn't dribble that's the same thing with james too his ass got clamped up too in that sectional final because he couldn't dribble you know granted they were they boxed and won his ass and he had a sprained ankle but if he could dribble and pull up off a of dribble and cross and get his feet underneath him he would have he would have snapped and Shano probably would have won. Anyways, those are just examples of why you need to have these skills in your arsenal to be able to survive in certain situations. Anyways, Dylan graduates, so it's Norman's turn. Norman was the least. So this was this is the promise I made to myself. If I can take Norman. These next four years 
and turn them into something great. That is a testament to my my resume as a skills trainer and that these drills ain't fucking they're not just, you know, I'm not full of shit pretty much. Because no one was listening yet and understandable because you know, I didn't finish college ball. But I found these drills, so I wanted to bring it back to these kids up north. So I show Norm. His freshman year. Norm was the least talented kid that I have ever worked with. People don't believe me. I got video proof. This dude could barely dribble two basketballs at once. Oh, before I start with his story, yeah, the I knew if I took Norm and to another level with these drills that, you know, it was it was a testament to my skills training because I've never trained a kid who's already going to be great. Like my whole goal is to get a kid in the inner cities who you know a six five black kid to a six five white kid. Somebody with naturally given abilities and take them to the next level. I'm still waiting on it. Like it don't matter if you train someone who's already gonna be great no matter what. Like that's not that to me that's not like that doesn't say anything about if your if your skills training works, you know. So Norman was my first product of alright, let's see if this actually works. Let's see if we can take him to uh to the highest level he can reach. <laughs> so I work his little ass. And he plays varsity as a freshman. I think he scores 100, 100 and some points as a freshman. Um, I moved to Green Bay his sophomore year. We didn't really train that much. His junior year, I moved back. Uh, my life's in order now. I'm not all over the damn place. So I told him, this is it, dude. We're going to work our ass off. You're going to work your ass off. And it was the fall time or the summertime of 2018. He's going into his junior year. We get down with these drills. I mean, he's he's playing multiple sports. I said, after these sports, you got to train. He get done with a, I would make him after a football game and we would go train. He come back from a away game, I would pick his ass up and we'd go down to Slam City and we'd train for two hours. Because I told him, if you don't do these and you don't stay with this, this schedule and this, 
this uh, set of drills I got set for you these next three months. You're not going to do shit and don't come complaining to me your junior year when you're not doing anything. So we do this for three, four months. And he goes in his junior year, doesn't really do anything till the second half of his junior year. Then he wakes up. It's like the little little beast woke up and he starts going off. I think he had like 10 games of like 25 plus points, like just, just going off. And it's like all off the dribble. And that's when I was like, all right. These drills are set. They set within, you know, within his body. So when I say that, that means um, that repetition, your body gets that muscle memory of your feet and your hands and being able to drop your hips. And it all set in with him. So he goes in to his junior year. He gets first team all conference. And it's his senior year. It's his off season, his senior year. I'm going into his senior year. And I was like, Norm, you know how much work you got to do. We're not doing anything else. Nothing besides training. You ain't getting no fucking job <clears throat> in the off season. You're not getting no job in the summertime. Your job is going to be training. Like, if you need money, I'll give you money if you want to do something. So junior year ended. I gave him a week off. And that second week, so this was March. We hit it. Five days a week. All the way until October. And give him that month off. I was telling everybody. So Norm was, he was a long ways away from 1,000. I think he needed 471 points or 480. It was something like that. People weren't um, thinking he was going to get it. And I was telling you know, the surrounding people around us. You don't understand how hard this boy's working right now. He has no choice but to get it. So I told Norm this whole off season, this isn't about Norman. You're going to show all these little Indian boys and girls that come from these reservations how to do this shit. And this is a, a way to do it. This is how hard you have to work in order to get success. Five days a week. He ain't playing no spring sport. He didn't do shit in the summer. He might have played, uh, I think he played AU. He maybe played baseball a little bit. But no matter what he did, it was five days a week training. You know, people who follow me on social media, you can see the journey. And uh, 
So when I say five days a week, that means we're training at 4 a.m. Before he goes to school. When he gets done with school, we're training again. I'm once he's out of once he graduate no, sorry once he uh is done with school his junior year so may the training really amplifies he goes from four a m six a m workouts he's living with me in Green Bay I drop him off at his house I wake him back up at noon my lunch break and we train again he goes back to sleep I go to work till 4.30 I make him run to the court where we're going to train which is three miles away and that's what we did footwork ball handling in the morning, it was footwork and ball handling. At noon, it was strictly shooting. In the in the evening, it was footwork, ball handling, core workout. And that's how we did it. Five days a week. Three workouts a day. getting after it there's me no fucking excuse there's me no excuse for not getting your thousand because that thousand wasn't just for him that thousand was for those little boys and girls on the reservation that was to show these kids you can get that but it takes a level of commitment and discipline to get to that point. You want all the attention on social media. You want all the pictures taken. Well, this is what you got to do when no one's fucking watching in 100 degree heat outside. No matter where you're at, that's where you have to be working. You know, that, that saying goes, champions are made in the gym when no one's watching. Well, that's, that's fucking true. So if you young people are listening to this, that's what it takes. If Norman can do this, y'all can do it. Y'all have the advantage of having these drills that Norman only got his senior year of having it now right away. So Norm goes through this and his whole team, no one on his team is working out. No one on his team is putting the work in. They're all going through the fucking motions. He's the only one putting it in. And I'm telling everybody, this boy is going to kill it. He's going to kill it, and there's going to be no remorse. 
because this boy comes from a a fucked up background and we're going to use it in a positive way for him to have a chance to get off the reservation and keep going. So again, May all the way to October, this boy's grinding. All his friends are doing whatever the fuck they're doing. While he's in the gym, I'm making him lift. I'm making him do these drills. And then October hits. He takes a month off. November comes. It's showtime. It's showtime. And the whole season it was. This boy had a great year. He got his 1,000 points. He scored 53 points in one game. I can't remember if he averaged like 22 points per game. But um, pretty much every time he stepped on the court, he was the best player. There's maybe only one time where he wasn't, which was a game he played at uh, GB. Other than that, he could clamp up the best player, score on your best defender, post them up, blow by someone. You know, he had it all going on. And yeah, I'm getting first team unanimous. That was Norman's part of training. That was Norman's part of showing these kids what he can do, what they can do. Because Norman didn't have, you know, Norman didn't have the fucking support system grown up not from his close family members but I had his back I had that little fucker's back and I was in his ear telling him if you do this dude you'll be just fine kill the goddamn noise and get tunnel vision and keep walking forward I didn't want what happened to me in my college years happened to Norm in high school where people are telling him, you can't do this, you can't do that. It was a complete opposite. I was telling him he could do anything he wanted. And I was letting him know every day the discipline is going to bring you those results. Not your desire. Not your desire. Discipline throughout every day is going to determine what you do this season. 
I said, look what, look what your teammates are doing. Look what your fellow classmates are doing. They're going to hoop with you. You're not working out. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. What do you think is going to happen when the season comes? I don't know why kids think you can work out in October and thinking you're ready for the season. That don't That shit don't work like that. Especially if you're not naturally gifted at this sport. And I'm not trying to knock his teammates, but that's just what it was. They had a team that could have been great. And it just didn't they didn't turn out that way because they didn't put the work in the offseason. I invited them to work out with me and Norm. I don't know what to tell you. That discipline, man. So that's my goal for these kids. That discipline and be that support system for them. No matter what their parents say, no matter what their siblings say. To fail going forward. So all the while Norma's training, we had Mariah Fish, Nace, Iana, all watching this dude train. So when they would be, when those three would be done, Norma would still be going. I'd still be making them do workouts. So after Norm left, was done training that next year, it was their turn to step up. That was Mariah's sophomore year. And she, Mariah's been working with me since her eighth grade, eighth grade year. So it's another, another, um, you know, challenge to see if this works. And it's, it's working. Mariah's going into her junior year. She's like 600 points away from her thousand. No, don't take it the wrong way. It's not about the thousand. It's more about the skills that you develop to get that thousand. Because without these skills, you're not going to get it. You know, some kids are just naturally gifted at basketball and they can attain that. They can achieve that thousand. But that's far and few. So Mariah's been been doing uh, really good. She's been going off. She works hard. This we're going into her junior year, and <clears throat> once she's done with school in May, end of, end of May here. Now I'm gonna bust her ass, just like how we did Norm. And she has. Um, came down and worked out at 4 a.m., you know, doing everything she can to put herself in those positions to be successful. And she's doing a fantastic job. I, by the time she's done with her high school career, she should be the leading scorer by far. 